Aaron Bielner and Eric B. And you're listening to the Diary of a Little Man's Podcast. All right, another episode of the Diary of the Little Man's Podcast. I am here sitting with the great man, Mr. Aaron Bielner. We'll go ahead and get this started so we can get going right off, right off the bat. My name is Eric B. I'm Aaron Bielner. And this is the Diary of the Little Man's Podcast. Aaron, how are you? How's the Masters out in your area? Chilly. It's fun to watch, though. I mean, I I have never been to the actual Masters uh, tournament. I have been to that course, you know, seen it. Yeah. Um, never played on it. Uh, I've been to... My dad and I went years ago. Oh, God. This had to be like 04 or 05, maybe. We went to... Um, there was a tournament at East Lake. There's a there's a TPC tournament, I believe, uh, every year at uh, East Lake, which is kind of well east east central of the of Atlanta, you know, east central of the city, and or the downtown, if you will. And that was fun, but it was cold then too. I remember that being. I can't. I don't know if that tournament's in March every year. Yeah. And so, you know, here it's in the southeast it's give and take as far as the weather. So, you know, and right now the players are saying that, you know, and, and of course I, I, we can all empathize. We're in it. We're having now today, it's supposed to be a high of 73, but the last two days, the highs were like 55. Yeah. Wow. So, and overnights were like 33, 34, 35. So coming, you know, starting in the morning or getting out in, you know, in the morning in 40 degree weather is, you know, for some people that's like, Oh, what are you complaining about? But when you're not used to playing, you know, uh, any type of sport, you know, golf and in 40 degree weather, I, I love the game. Yeah. Um, I've been playing since I was, oh, wow. There's a story. I didn't even think of that. There's a story. Let's run with it. I started the idea of golf probably about seven or eight years old. As far as my dad, um, was a member at the local course and he played. And I mean, that was in a small town. You have a couple, you know, when you think of like a, activities physical activities extracurricular anything beyond beyond a you know a pub or a bar or what have you yeah. there was a bowling alley and there was a golf course that's it and right my, that's all it was yeah that's it and so you know you're talking about a town of at that time i think a town of 1200 i supposedly it's gotten bigger since then but um so he came home one night or one day after golf and evening and he had a putter that somebody had broken in half <laughs> and i don't know if it was a frustrating uh situation or what have you but so i i got that putter he he at that you know at that time like i said eight the putter fit me even you know broken in half and so he had it regripped and um you know basically made it doable and that's what i started golf with i just had a putter and then there were this is funny how this all if if i'm if my memory um is is on there was a lost and found you know in golf clubs people would ask you know leave a golf club laying around the green or leave a golf club laying on the grounds somewhere and if it hadn't been collected after so many months you know, or even a season, you keep it. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, then they were like, who wants these or what? You know, because they can't just keep collecting golf clubs. You know, there'd be hundreds. And so I that's how my golf set started. I had the putter and then a five iron and then a three wood. And these are all random different styles. And of course, because they're they're mixing, you know, they're yeah, yeah. lost and found. And so and back in the days, you know, this would have been the 80s, like the mid 80s. Uh, early to mid eighties when this started for me. And so I remember, uh, and not to get too technical into, into equipment, but I remember the five iron was a forged uh, blade, meaning that it, it, most golfers, if you're not of a professional status, you're using what's called a cavity backed style uh, irons, you know, cavity backed irons, and they're very forgiving. Um, they, they're weighted and balanced in a way that if you don't hit dead center of that face, every time you can still have a pretty decent shot because of how they're weighted and where, like, if you hit it on the toe of the club or you hit it on the heel, there's enough reinforcement there that you still have a fairly solid shot where most professionals are playing with a forged blade, if you will, which means if you hit it on the toe or you hit it on the heel or, or, or not dead center, you know, the sweet spot, yeah, sweet spot. If you don't hit it on the sweet spot, you know, you know, you're not going to get that shot. And so I learned uh, to, to play, even though I went to cavity backs, as soon as I got my own set, I learned to play with forged, a uh, forged five iron. Oh, wow. And then I think a seven iron came into my set and then a three iron. So I had this mix and match set. I think I had like six or seven clubs total until I was like 13, 12 or 13. And there's, there's this old concept in the game of golf. If you really want to learn the game, uh, you would just take a seven iron, not even a putter, just take a seven iron around the entire uh, course, you know, play teeing off. Of course, you got to be careful. You don't want to be going too crazy on a, on a putting green. Cause they're very, you know, um, yeah sensitive so you're not you know taking a ridiculous swing to divot or, or tear up a, a putting green with a seven iron but you basically play the entire round with that and what that does uh and, and and not to get too heavy into it but as a little person learning the game as well what that does is it teaches you to swing yeah i think too often that you know when people play a sport any sport they're expecting to play as well as what they see on television or what they hear about and really each sport and especially golf and, and golf for me, what I loved about golf, you know, as, as a man who was short statured as a kid who was short statured is in all fairness, it was me against the course. Exactly. You know, it was, I was, I was, whatever I could perfect of my ability would be against the course as opposed to, yeah, you could play against somebody. And I did, we, I, I played in high school and I, I can talk about that later, but it was the idea that you're, you're really playing yourself and that if you keep your head into the game and you really, you know, just focus and concentrate and play what you've learned and you play at your best level for yourself, then you should be pleased with that. Yeah. You should be happy with that. And yeah. so at one point, I'm not there now. I, I would take a few, probably a couple months to get back into that that level. At one point, I had 
no exaggeration. I was shooting probably in the lower 80s on a par 72. So anywhere from an uh, 8 to like a, a 10 handicap. Okay. And for me, that was pretty decent. So, I mean, it's not phenomenal, but you're also talking about somebody who's on a good day hitting drives, maybe 200, 210 yards. Wow. And so it was a matter of, and, and this is for anybody, you know, you the old saying, you drive for show and you putt for dough. Yeah. The short game in golf is extremely crucial. The The long game is important because, you're, you're, you know, you want to get, to that short game. You want to be able to put yourself in a position where you can really work the short game. So I, yeah, I got, I, I really had fun with that. And so I got, when I started high school, I, I tried out for the team. I think here's, here's the default of this in my high school where it was such a small class, whoever tried out was on the team, yeah, you know, yeah, that's how my I mean, they was. had, they had positions varsity and junior varsity. And I, by my sophomore year, I was on the varsity team. I will say that. Nice. And, you know, I, I, was I phenomenal? No, but we were all just, you know, playing the game. And, um, in 1994, so I played, uh, high school all four years in golf and then so two, i graduated in 92 in 1994 we my father and i and my late grandfather i, I share this experience or this moment because it was so so awesome because my grandfather's been gone since 95 actually oh, wow. we played in a three-person uh, best shot you know and uh, it's kind of a scramble style uh tournament where you each uh tee off and then you take the best shot of that and then you play from that position and you take the best shot of yeah. that and best shot of that and so very quickly and then i'll wrap up on the golf and we can delve into something else no i got a good golf story for you so go ahead okay go ahead. all right well i want to hear it so very quickly a couple things in 1994 that tournament took place it was in, in june i can't remember the exact day I remember it was uh, there was a storm before that tournament, and I was working on that golf course as a greenskeeper. Wow. So we had to clean up the course and get everything ready for the next morning or that morning. And so my grandfather and my dad and I were playing in this as a team. And we parred the first hole. Okay, should have done better. We parred the second hole, which was one of the easier holes. It's a par five. So we were disappointed. Yeah. We get to the third hole. And I had a seven iron. It was a par three. I took a nice swing. Nice, you know, felt good about it. And it gets up on the green. And it's getting closer to the pin and closer to the pin. And that pin, where the flag was that day, where the cup was that day, was on a back corner where I know the greens fairly well still to this day. Um, I can see all of them and feel all of them. But it was it was on a back corner where if the ball kept going, it would go down a little bit of a ravine and you wouldn't be able to see it. Oh, wow. But it looked like the ball went in. Yeah. And we didn't, we were like, Oh God, it might. So get up there. And what had happened, it stopped. The ball had stopped. So it got, it got caught between the, the flag stick or the pin and the edge of the cup. And then there was a little wind and eventually it fell in, oh, it dropped. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, in 1994, I got my first hole in one. Nice. Well, my grandfather was was just absolutely uh, like, 
over the moon about that. He was super excited and very, it was a very cool experience. One of the fondest memories I have of my grandfather. And then on the next hole, it was another par five. We are hitting our third shot into the green and he rifles one at the green. And I'm thinking, Oh God, by the time that gets done, it'll be way over the back and, and, and into the next hole, even it hits the flag stick and falls in on a par five on a par five. So he, we have an Eagle. So I wow. eagled, uh, I eagled a par three by having a hole in one that's two under yeah. par. He eagles a par five. So we're now four under just on two holes alone. It was a, it, it was just a really cool memory and it was really fond memory. And, and I remember getting back to the clubhouse and of course people are not, you know, imagining that me of all people just hit a hole in one. And so, but uh, yeah, that's, I still have the golf ball. It was an ultra one. Um, nice. And uh, I don't even know if ultra makes golf balls anymore, but uh, yeah, I, I still have the golf ball from 94. Yeah. It was a really cool experience. Nice. Tell me your golf story. I have two. So the first one, um, I'll go back to high school and um, with, with my friend, Eric. And if you guys don't remember, I have a friend who's a little person named Eric that was a good friend of mine in high school that, taught me a lot of real life lessons about little people. So he encouraged me to play golf and I was like, no way, dude, I'm not going to play golf. That's, you know, we call that, you know, a white man sport back then. Right. It was like, I can't afford golf clubs. I was like, I'm not going to play golf. And he was like, you can use mine. And he had a set of golf clubs that was um, for kids. It was kids golf clubs, but he was good. He was really good. So him and I would go right before golf season, he would go, we would go to the Presidio, this little driving range into Presidio, and he would teach me how to, you know, swing the grip and all that. And so by the time golf came, I you said, I said, you know what, I'll go ahead and go play some golf. I have a buddy whose dad at the time before he passed away was a caddy at the, our Lake Merced golf course. So I reached out to him and I said, hey, I got a hundred bucks. Can you get me a set of golf clubs? He goes, what are you looking for? I was like, whatever a hundred bucks can get me. I go, but I need all of them. So, you know, exactly what you said. He gave me a bunch of, you know, a Wilson this, a, a McGregor this, something that a starter would use, right? right. You know, I didn't, right. I wasn't into the Titleist or the Pings or anything like that, right? right? So he right. gives it to me. He gives me this weird green checkered bag. You know, it was, it was a bag. To me, I was like, hey, it's a bag, whatever, right? So we go and we start, you know, we're talking to all the golf people. And of course, he's, you know, these high-end kids that has like the high-end golf clubs and they're looking at me and eric they're like oh wow the circus is gonna play with us this year yeah right you know right. Eric, you know me i'm getting offended i'm getting pissed but eric's like yo dude don't let him don't let him get to you don't let him get to yeah. you yeah so right. we already knew who the good the good golfers were because you know they've been playing for a while this is my senior year eric's junior year and he he's been playing but they, he's never really, you know, given the chance to show that he can play till this year. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the, we had one tournament where we had to team up. And, you know, I'm shooting decent, you know, for a guy who's never played golf. I'm probably shooting in like the 80s. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not shooting mm -hmm. like good, but I'm shooting in the 80s. Eric was actually shooting in the 70s. He was shooting wow. like 75, That's 76 awesome. all the wow. time. So, 
he was my backup on everything. And so we had this one tournament, and this is my funny golf story. We had this one tournament. The cocky guys in our group and the cocky guys at the other schools were like, hey, let's let the, you know, let's let the, the circus freaks go first. And I'm like, yeah, you know, she, yeah, I shouldn't be talking that way. Sure enough, it was a windy day in San Francisco. We were playing at one of the most windiest course in San Francisco. And <clears> Eric <throat> comes up to me and he's like, come here, come here, come here. He wants me to bend down to, his, you know, to his level. He goes, my dad always used to say, when it's breezy, swing it easy. And I said, what does that mean? He goes, these guys are jarheads and muscle heads. They're going to try to swing really hard to try to compensate the wind. He goes, but no, swing it slow. He goes, and he goes, let's just play the short game for every course. So I'm like, okay. And this course was a nine-hole course. There was only one par five. Everything was a par three or a par four. Okay. And we were swinging it really, you know, I was swinging it maybe like in this par three, we hit the green. The par, and all the par threes, we hit the green all the time because we were hitting it, you know, short. Within regulation. Within yeah. regulations. These guys were trying to, you know, again, trying to go over the wind. And short story, we ended up winning. We ended up winning that tournament and we blew those guys out because they were like jarheads, musclehead golfers who were like, what'd you guys do? You know, how did you guys beat us? And then yeah. Eric told them, it's not the size that matters. No. It's, he goes, he goes, it's up here. Absolutely. I knew what you guys were thinking. You guys were going to try to muscle us and try to swing hard when me and Eric just decided, hey, we're going to play the short game. If the Absolutely. wind takes it, then at least we didn't go over the cup or go over the yeah. game. So we yeah. did. We ended up winning the tournament. And, you know, the coach, his coach, our coach, our golf coach was like, hey, Eric, I never knew you got to, you played like this. Then he goes, coach, I've been playing golf longer than you've been coaching golf. So yeah. by the next year that's when I was awesome. already gone, Eric was like the top dog in golf. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That was so, awesome. you know, that's that adage of, I think it was uh, uh, Lee Trevino, who was in a professional golfer yeah. years ago, uh, retired now, of course, who said, you know, golf is 90% mental and the other 10% in your head. Yes. You know? And so it's that attitude of you play that game. Yes. You have to, you have, I mean, granted, you have to have some physical ability to play the game, but you also have to really, there's a chess uh, playing uh, part of that game yeah. where yeah. you're thinking, you know, two or three shots ahead. You're thinking, where can I be Yeah. considering the elements, considering yeah. what I have to face, you know, whatever obstacles are on the whole alone, let alone the elements, if it's raining a little bit, if it's colder, if it's warmer, if it's windy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when it's breezy, swing easy. Absolutely. Because the other part of that is to, to and, and just to add on to what Eric said, when you're doing that, you're, you're keeping, you know, when you're playing it where you're, you're trying to muscle every shot in, in to win, it's going to own you. Yeah. And it's going to put the ball everywhere except where you want it. And and if you're swinging it, you're keeping things low and you're not having, you know, you're, you're playing the, like you said, not only the short game uh, in, 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 you know, shorter yardage and on the greens, but also the short game in trajectory. Yeah. And so everything's nice and, you know, it, you're playing it almost like a link style course where it's, you know, you've got just open area, nice and easy, nothing to worry about. Uh, so to add, I, I moved to Georgia in 96 and 
was in a town about two hours south of here and met he's actually passed away i miss him dearly he was an amazing professional club maker and met this man he was a retired chief master sergeant from the air force there's a military base an air force military base about two hours south of atlanta and in a town called warner robbins and i met him in that town and i talked you were talking about different club brands i had at the time my first complete set was top flight they were called top flight plus and they were steel shaft and they were of course cut down you know for me yeah well when you cut a steel shaft down i mean there's some flexibility to that shaft you know in its original state but when you cut that shaft down you're turning it in stiffer and stiffer and it's like becomes a baseball bat yeah which then you you're losing a part of the game i mean golf clubs are not supposed to be rigid you make you know you're getting club head speed you're getting torque you're getting you know um uh, velocity and centripetal force from the fact that the the shaft of the you know the, the, the longer part of the club is flexible it should be flexible yeah you know and so he asked me his name was dana upshaw um rest his soul he an amazing really great friend and a really smart man and he he had um and been working he he had left the air force you know retired from the air force and then started making golf clubs nice. you know just as a hobby and then became a business wow he got so good at it that he had his own store in the town and Dana golf was the name of it. Anyway, long story short, um, he asked me, he said, he looked at the clubs I had and he goes, do you have pain? And I said, what do you mean? He goes like, do you have pain in your arms or like tendonitis? And I said, yeah, I do actually. He goes, yeah, these are ridiculous. I mean, these are so rigid and stiff. I mean, I don't understand how you're, you know, not like just sore after a round of the, he goes, I'd like to work with you. So we made a deal. He said, I want to work with you and I'd like to do some research and I want to submit what we do to the professional club makers society, the PCS. And I want to try to to with the intention of, of applying or competing for club maker of the year worldwide. Wow. And so I said, okay, let's do it. And I said, um, he said, I'll make you the clubs at co- at no cost. This will be a, a, a trade for me. Um, I mean, he was, you know, see what I can do. And so he ended up getting, he had all these different pieces put together, you know, from club heads that he found, shafts, grips. Um, I had, for some reason, mid-sized grips. He's like, these are way too big for your hands. I mean, you're you're taking any type of tor- torque or, or any type of club head speed that you can do just by turning your hand a little bit when you swing. You're taking all of that away. It's like you're holding the fat end of a, of a baseball bat. Yeah. So he got rid of those. Um, I had this, like the smallest grips that, you know, you like adult male, but smallest ones they, they made so that I could get a better hold of the, of the club. He, uh, the grab, the, uh, I'm sorry, the shafts are like a senior style sh- uh, graphite shaft yeah. that when he cut them down to fit me, they had so much more flexibility, but not too much that, cause I still had, I know you had talked about Eric, I still had some good upper body strength. Yeah. So the last thing you want to do with a graphite shaft or any type of golf shaft is make it too whippy. Yeah. Yeah. Because if it's too whippy, you lose all control. And, and then you're, it's like you're swinging a noodle at the golf ball. <laughs> And so, 
uh, he he did all that. He so long as uh, not to get too technical, and people are like, "Oh God, this is boring." <laughs> After all of that said and done, and all of the work, and and what happened, and I still the the only clubs I have uh, and and use to this day, uh, and never had pain from there on out in my arms nice. uh, or tendonitis. He won that year. Wow. He won professional club maker of the world that year, and that would have been like 97 or 98 okay i think it was 1998 actually he had he had runner up or third place in the year before and then with that he had won the whole thing and had uh, i mean it's it's a really great honor but it's also there's so many you know fringes that come with it so it was a great business uh card for him because he had video he was you know talking you know here i'm working with this man who has dwarfism um it was awesome. It was awesome. He has video, or someone does. Um, he's, uh, like I said, passed away. Someone has video of, of the swing process that we went through and, and everything. And he said, and, you know, you talk about Eric, you know, your friend, he, uh, he goes, I'm surprised. He said, you can handle certain club head weights that I wouldn't have said, thought you could maintain. And he he pushed for, like, my putter's fairly heavy because uh, he said, you're very wristy as putter. You're slapping the ball everywhere yeah. and you need to even that out. And then he, like my lower irons, my sandwich, my wedge, um, they're heavier than you would expect. Cause he said, you can really balance that and that's going to give you better control. And then the one thing that's different is my driver. Every other club is measured to me. My driver is average length. Okay. I always use a regular because I it gets you one better club head speed. If you're if you practice long enough, you can control it and and keep fairly precise with it, and then get longer distances off yeah. the tee box. You know, it, it's the difference between. I mean, if you're swinging, swinging a regular club, or if you were swinging like a you know a snow shovel. I mean, just you're going to have better you know uh, torque and momentum and and club head speed with with the longer drivers. So that that was probably i mean from you know the high school moments there were a couple moments that were really cool and impressionable that i'll remember the time we played with my grandfather i'll never forget for many yeah. many reasons and then working with dana upshaw nice. you know and 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 just him he having the patience to work and and learn you know i mean you're talking about a very unique stature yeah you know i'm four feet three inches tall i have um what's very typical with people of my type of dwarfism is that the arms are not as long and they don't all, we don't, my arm, if you can imagine, my arm doesn't straighten all the way out yeah, and it curled a little. And so take that into consideration as well. What can we do to maximize every square inch of your body? And also, you know, what you have for arm, arm speed and, yeah. and, and, and length. And so that, you know, when you learn a sport like that, you're watching the masters and you're watching them with their notepads and, and, and they're literally calculating every turn and other sports do this. You learn, I mean, you, it, there's science to every sport. Yeah. There's numbers involved with every sport. You know, people think, Oh, you just go out there and do it. But there I've watched professional golfers. It's, it's, it's a chess match and they're constantly calculating. And then if anything happens wind wise, you know, weather elements, what it's, it's different. They have to make different, you know, add different variables. It's cool to watch people really do that. Well, yeah, it, it's yeah. awesome. And so back to what I was saying is, and, and wrap up the game of golf and we can move into a different sport if you wish, uh, is that golf was always me against 
the course. And that's what I loved about it and took my time with it. And I think it blew people away that I, I, you know, and probably like Eric said, you know, if you really put your head to it and you really stay focused, stature, yes, it's an element, but it's not like it is in any other sport. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the one other sport that I really enjoyed was racquetball. Oh, wow. I thought racquetball was a blur. Yeah, I've I've never, I've seen it. I've never played it. Yeah. Really the thing about racquetball is precision too. Okay. You, the old adage is you hit them where they ain't. Yeah. And so the, it wasn't about beating, you know, somebody can get into a racquetball court and just beat the snot out of the ball. Yeah. You can use physical force, but it was more about like table tennis. It's where you place it. Yeah. You put it where they can't get to it, or you put it where, you know, get it with some spin where they can't, you know, see where it's coming or where it's going. And, so when you can put those factors, there's a lot of sports like that. Yeah. There are. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a football player. I know that. I'm never going to play football. I'm not going to play professional basketball. I know that. Okay. Um, I like basketball and I played that in junior high. I did play nice. uh, for a little bit. And they were nice enough to let me go out on the floor every once in a while. There's a, I have one, I have one story for basketball and one story for baseball, but uh, I'll, I'll tell those later, but yeah, you know, any sport where, this is important, yeah. you know, where the brain is important. Those are fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you're on kind you know, not completely, but somewhat of a level playing field with yeah. the other competitors. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. That's how it is. It's all about what we think about first or, and, you know, and, and uh, I'm a, I'm a defensive coordinator for a high school football team. And I always tell them, you know, be smart, you know, don't be aggressive, being aggressive can get you hurt. I go, yeah, I want you to go out there and, you know, pancake somebody, but I want you to think about doing it before getting it done, you know? So there's a thought process and there's an execution. That's usually what I tell them. You know, if I go, if you're doing the execution before thinking about it, you're going to get hurt. The person's going to get hurt and someone's going to score a touchdown and it's not going to be us. So think right. then execute. So that's what I usually tell them. So, yeah. yeah. Well, it's that work smart versus, I mean, I mean, granted, you got to work hard and practice and not, but, but, when you're with any sport, football, basketball, baseball, yeah. there's a strategy. Yeah. I think I think too often people go, oh, you just go out there and you've got natural raw talent. You're just amazing. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about that. But look at like, and I use basketball as a reference. And and I, with all due respect and, and rightfully so, look at a player like Larry Bird. Yeah. Who played the fundamental. I mean, if you match Larry Bird up to uh, athletes of his day, the Magic Johnsons later in the era, the Jordans. Um, he's not physically going to hold up to that. Yeah. But he was one of the smartest basketball players in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And and knew the fundamentals and knew the the strategies so well. And there's a strategy yeah. to, to basketball. There's a strategy to everything. Have you, you know? ever seen his documentary on basketball and how he, you know, he grew up in Indiana. French um, Lake. He grew, up, he grew up there. His dad put up a basketball court like, you know, it's not even regulation, but it wasn't even concrete. It was like dirt. And he had to figure out, you know, how far he was from the basket and all that. And then when he finally got to play on the gym floor, he just remembered. He goes, he, t- he says that every time I play on a, on a court, I think of my, my yard because the calculations from where I'm standing to where that court is, it was, you know, in my head. So that's what he was doing on the court. And that's why he was a smart, 
fundamental. Yeah, you're right. When you watched him play and I was honored, I had the honor to actually watch him play, um, you know, on TV, not live, but yeah, he, he knew the fundamental parts of the game, you know, and this is one thing I hate about basketball now is it's who's bigger and who's better and who can slam the ball, you know, like that's what I love about yeah. Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry's, you know, average size basketball player that doesn't need to slam the ball or, you know, dunk the ball to show how good he is. He'll sit out there and hit a three on you, dribble around you, hit the three, and then, you know, he's finally gotten the respect of a lot of the NBA players, you know? Right, right. And Steph Curry is very much uh, of that same realm as Bird, where he's he's calculating and he's 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 devising a plan each time and you know finding those weaknesses in your in the defense and hitting them you know where where it hurts and that to me is you know you see the longevity of certain athletes and and you know there's the brawn there's no doubt about it no doubt about it there's the physical brawn that but brawn cannot last forever no so you hit a point where if you don't have the brains of it you you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to compete you're not gonna be able to hold up um i think of like nolan ryan who used to play for the texas rangers yeah rangers you know and um uh, was it the rangers or the astros he played for both i I think it was the rangers he He played for the texas rangers and the end he played for both he played for both yeah yeah he pitched for both here's here's a pitcher who's in his 40s and he's holding his own I yeah. mean, he's holding his own, but he wasn't throwing anything that was going to tear his arm up. Nope. He wasn't throwing ridiculous things. He just had great variables. He yeah. had a fastball. He had a curve. He had a knuckleball that was, uh, you know, pretty intense. And and he knew how to use them at the right time. Yeah. You know, the first time I ever saw, I'm an Atlanta Braves fan, and I'm from Iowa. Imagine that. But I've, I've been a Braves fan since I was like in uh, it, it's pretty ridiculous association. The first little league team team I played for was called the Braves. Nice. And for some reason, I thought you know attached to that, so I started following the actual professional team, and then got hooked up. I used to. That was back in the day when Dale Murphy played. Dale Murphy, in yeah. The 80s. And so, um, and my uncle, my uh, my late uncle, uh, his name was Richard Majors. He passed away actually just this last summer. Uh, unfortunately, out of the middle of nowhere. Um, really awesome guy. I, I learned a lot about uh, humility and and being just all around balanced, great guy. And he was a huge Braves fan. And so, uh, but I, I mentioned the Braves only to mention the great Greg Maddox. Yes. And this is back in you know the '90s when Atlanta would win their division every year, yes. and they had an amazing rotation of Maddox and Glavin and Smoltz, and and then a few others. Wallers was in there, you know, and Maddox was not a fastball, you know, ninety plus pitcher. Yeah, yeah. Maddox was a finesse pitcher. Maddox was a placement pitcher. Maddox could mess with batters' heads yeah. because put it where they thought they could hit it. He always was where, and I think I have such a respect for that kind of athlete because of my stature. I have such a respect for the, the athletes who don't get me wrong. I'm impressed with the brawn. I'm impressed with, you know, yeah. everybody who's can play smash mouth, football, basketball, what have you. But I've always had such an amazing respect for the finesse players. 
and Maddox, Bird, Ryan, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those kind of guys. Yeah. Where it's like they may not be the most athletic. They may not be the exact definition of amazing physical specimen, but they're ridiculously intelligent is what they do. And that's what it starts with. It starts with what you have up here. It starts with your brain and how you think of things. And um, Maddox was one of those guys that, you know, in baseball terminology, he would mess with your head, you know. He would throw you an inside pitch, and he would make the hitter think, like, oh, this guy's trying to hit me. And, you know, he'd do that two times in a row, and now you're thinking, you know, talk about chess match. The base pitchers are playing chess because they're making you think one thing, and then next thing you know, he'll throw two pitches where he'll it's in the strike zone. Now this batter's like, okay, well, he just threw me two inside pitches. Now one, two down the middle. It's two and two. What's he going to throw next? Right. And then he'll go right back inside, and the batter is thinking, okay, he's going to go outside or he's going to throw me a curveball. But he goes right back inside where the batter's thinking he's going to go, you know, out. He swings on a, you know, we call it a dumb pitch, right? Because it's like, dude, he just threw you two inside balls. Why, you know, why'd you swing at that? And here's the batter like, damn it. Why did I even swing? I mean, exactly. when I watched when I watched that rotation, that you know, back in the days, I hated the Atlanta Braves just because of the, the rotating pitchers that they had. You know, you mentioned the pitchers that they had. What I love about Atlanta Braves is their chant. Man, I, I grew up, you know, like back then, it was always Atlanta Braves on TBS because, you know, we're like Ted Turner station, right? Yeah, So they're right. always showing the Braves. And whenever I watch it, my dad used to be like, what are you doing watching the Braves? I'm like, because I just want to hear the chant, you know? And it's like, you would yeah, hear the, the chant. I, I have two hats that 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 I, I hold dearly and it was a Cleveland Indians hat from back in the days and it was an Atlanta Braves hat from back in the days just because those two teams were my two favorite teams outside of the Giants and and the reason why is their pitching rotation there I mean I grew up wanting to be a pitcher but I just didn't have that velocity I didn't have the arm strength I'm probably a pitcher if I if I had to back then would be a closer because you know I could only throw for one inning before I threw my arm out. But yeah, watching Maddox pitch back in the days was one of those like, wow, wow, where's this guy from, you know? Yeah, he, and you know, we got him. We got him. I act like I'm on the team. <laughs> uh, he came from Chicago, yeah. you know? Yeah. So he was a Cub before he was a Brave. And we were very fortunate to get him in that trade. And it was fun to watch him. It was fun. And and again, each one of those players was a different style. Yeah. Glavin, Smoltz. Maddox and was kind of and that's what made I think a great pitching rotation is you had three different you know Smoltz is very much a hardball pitcher yeah. and 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 Glavin is a, is a, a wonderful combination of both and then Maddox was all about finesse and that messing with your head like you said yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I I think you know as a little person there's you know you you talked about Eric you know in, in different sports he's played and, and like wrestling and stuff getting into somebody's head is just as important as the physical capabilities when it comes to a, any type of sporting event, Yeah, whether it be sitting down for a chess match or whether it be playing racquetball or whether it be playing basketball, football, even football. If you're in your opponent's head and, and they're, they're spinning and, and they're trying to figure out what's going on or what you're doing, you're two or three legs ahead of them. Yeah. Yeah. And so the more you can keep them off 
balanced, you know, in, in their, in their mental game um, or off kilter in their mental game, the more likely you are to win. Yeah. And, and, you know, there are many great athletes who, who knew that very well. I mean, I know Jack squad about boxing, Yeah, but I know that just watching Muhammad Ali play or hit, you know, and, 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 and have a match. He, he, he got into his opponent's head. Yeah. It wasn't just about physically beating them to a pulp. It was about getting into their heads. Yep. And, you know, when you have that, that aspect of whatever you're doing, whether it be sports, whether it be entertainment as an actor, whatever, when you're in that element where you got people thinking. That's a good you, thing. Yeah. You're going to win. Yeah. And, and more often than not, not every time, of course. Cause there's, you know, always there's certain levels of defaults and errors, but you're going to win. And as a little person, um, I played basketball in junior high. I knew I wasn't going to get to play in high school. I wasn't good enough. I mean, not just being stature wise, but it wasn't good enough. And I remember we had one tournament we were in and I was one of the guards and I, I, I was always the guard position. Uh, that was about the, the only place I could really go. And I remember we had a timeout and the coach was like, can you just shoot? You're not shooting. Go on, go ahead. So I got to the top of the key. I'll never forget this. And we were losing. It wasn't like it was the game winning shot, but I put one up right at the top of the key behind the line and it went in and people went nuts. I don't think they thought I could shoot from there. I don't think they thought that I had a snowball's chance in hell of that working and it went in. It wasn't a bank. It was what it was all net. All it was Swiss. it was fun. It was a blast. And that that became kind of the 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 go-to of that particular game. But I've loved sports and, and I've never I mean, granted, yes, there are physical things that I obviously can't do. You're yeah. not gonna see me in the pole vault or the high jump. But I've always tried to not let the physicalities deny me of trying of, of attempting or, or enjoying any sport I've played. And, you know, I, I, I'll share this that remind me to tell you the little league story yes. that my dad, my dad was so proud of, but um, in anything that you do, no matter what we're all, I mean, we're not all perfect specimens or we'd all be in the professional sports. Yeah. So whatever your, your flaws are, or whatever your weaknesses are, you have to, and I think this applies to life. I think this applies to my career as an actor. Whatever your weaknesses are, you have to learn how to use them to the best of your ability. Yep. Okay. And turn those flaws into dangerous tools. Yeah. You know, whether it be sports, whether it be life, whether it be performance, you know, I... I have to get this baseball story out. Yeah, it's go just, ahead. Let's let's hear that. So uh, we were talking about this before the show. There was in my town, small town. There was t-ball, and then and you played little, little league, which was pitching, and then junior was called peewees. Usually <laughs> t-ball or what have you. So we would do peewees with junior high, and then you went on to high school. You either played in high school or you were done playing. You know, if you got on the high school team, great. And I never played in high school. I played through peewees, which was basically eighth grade. So after eighth grade, junior high, you were, you know, either on the high school team, if you were good enough, or you were done. So 
but in little league, I, I skipped T ball. I didn't want to play T ball. I just there's something about hitting off a T. Yeah. And probably should have played T ball because you know just learning the game and yeah. and being a little guy. But I I skipped it. And they were concerned about that. I remember like the people running T ball in the league were like, "Are you sure you don't want to play in?" The-? I'm like, "No, I'm I want to play little league. I want to I want to be pitched to." And so, and and in all fairness. I don't think I had one or two hits the entire time I was in league, little league. I got walked a lot, which was awesome. Yeah. And then the coaches would get hip to that. So I'd be like the lead off. I'd get off on first right away, or I'd be the second or third. I was never clean up, obviously, but I would be walked more often than not. So there, then there was a runner on base already. And then the chance of getting a couple easy runs right away was great, you know? And so but the thing that stood out the most, I played second base and I caught. Um, I wasn't much of an outfielder just because of the lack of speed. You know, I can yeah. move, but, you, you know, and also reach. You know, there's a lot to an outfielder in each position. There's a reason center field, you know, people play center field left and right. And, but I caught. I, I, I caught. I was second base. I could handle shortstop. I wasn't, you know, I didn't have the arm to play short or the turn yeah. to play short. But, so it was either second base or catch. And I love catching. There was just something about catching that I really enjoyed. And, you know, in Little League, being such and such a height, I used the chest protect. I mean, I, I put the shin guards on and they were too big. So I, but I still had them on. But basically the chest protector was like all encompassing for me. And so I would have that down to my feet damn near and I'm squatting down. So it looks like an egg with, if you will, with a, with a, you know, the, the catcher's mask on, but one particular play. Now we're talking little league. So I think they were like anywhere from seven to 10 years old or seven to 11 years old. And, you know, every kid, there are some kids who are great. And then there are some kids who are out, you know, picking daisies in the outfield and, yeah. you know, staring at the sky. And I was catching, a, I was catching for this game. And this kid was, somebody had hit, you know, I think he was on second and, and or even first, he could have been on first. And there was a batter who hit it to left. And the kid out in left field was no more in tune with the game. I think he was staring, you know, at the cars driving by or people, whatever. Yeah. So the kid on first, and he was a sizable kid. He was solid, thick. And he's so he's coming around. He gets the second. Kid's still out and left trying to retrieve the ball or looking at, I don't know. He gets the ball. The left fielder gets the ball. This kid's coming around third. He finally, the left fielder finally gets the ball in. I think it rolled in. And I pick it up and stand in front of this kid. Yeah. And I'm maybe up to his armpits. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's average size and he's big, he's thick and he rolls. I mean, right over me, it had to look like an, uh, like a steam locomotive going over a tricycle. Yeah. And I fall back rear over ears. And I mean, just dust and everything. I mean, it was, and I remember hearing like the the parents in the crowd or whoever was sitting in the in the seats. They're like, "Oh, you know, just like oh." And everybody knows everybody, so they're probably thinking, "Okay, Aaron's dead. You know, Aaron's <laughs> gonna die today. Unfortunately, that was horrible. We're gonna have to pause the game for a minute and collect his remains because 
he's got to be in pieces after this kid just <laughs> rolled over him. I'm laying on my back. I remember this. I probably was eight or eight or nine. I'm laying on my back. I've got <laughs> the catcher's mitt. I'm I'm right-handed, so catcher's mitt. I've got. I think I held it out like this in front of me. Yeah. I think for two reasons. One, I was hoping, you know, protect the ball, of course, and two, praying to whoever, to God, praying for dear life that, that I don't yeah, don't die because this kid's rocking right at me. I mean, he's coming. He's got dust settles, and I put my right hand in the air, and I've got the ball in my hands. Nice. And everybody went nuts. Nice. And I did <laughs> – I, I'm pretty sure they didn't think one that I was conscious. Yeah. Two, there's no way in hell that Aaron's holding onto the ball. Yeah. And I still had it. And nice. of course he gets called out. They pick me up, dust me off. I remember the umpire who was, uh, you know, it's little league and it's a small town. So the umpire was like the coordinator, one of the coordinators for the sport. Yeah. You know, for little league baseball. He picks me up. I think he picked me up as if you would grab the chest protector, like literally lift me, stand me back up, and then start, I mean, it was hilarious. And I can laugh at it now. I, I nice. think I was sore for a little while after that because I, I got drilled. I didn't go, I mean, it wasn't as exaggerated. I didn't roll all the way to the backstop or anything. It wasn't yeah, yeah. that horrendous, but I was flat on my back a couple feet behind home plate. Yeah. <laughs> I I was you know, I'm sure they were like, oh, we could just put the, the flowers right there on the grave. And so, uh, you know, it's those kind of moments where if you showed, especially as a, as a little person, if you showed your determination yeah. and your resilience, it made people respect you. Yeah. You know, people went, hey, this little buckaroo can hold his own. And so... I, I, that's what I always tried for in any sport. Yeah. I wasn't going to be phenomenal. I knew that I wasn't going to be anywhere close to probably even mediocre, but I was going to be determined. And, 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 and of all the sports golf, I actually could, you know, compete in. So yeah, I had more than just mediocre there because I learned, you know, everything about the game that I could and played it to the best of my abilities. But for the other ones, you know, basketball, baseball, I love volleyball. Nice. I mean, we didn't compete in volleyball. We didn't have yeah. a, a men's or boys volleyball team. But there's, I love that sport. I, yeah. There's something about I love digging, and I love, um, you know, I love any type of sport where you've got uh, the ability to to think, but also the ability. I love team sports as well. Yeah, you know, I love playing on a team. There's something about if you got everything gelling, and you're really clicking. Yeah, it you works. were on top of the world. Yeah, yeah. Not to go on a diatribe, but anyway, but yeah, baseball. Uh, we didn't have in my. We didn't have we. If you wanted to play football, they had a. I don't know how this worked, and and not to get into logistics, we were. I was. I went to a, a private school. I mean, a small private school, so it wasn't like it was, you know, creme de la creme. It was very small, very. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, frugal. Very frugal yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. school. But if you wanted to play football, you could play for the public school that was in the town. You had yeah. to play on that team, which, I mean, who cares? If you want to play football, you want to play football. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I didn't 
I didn't, of course, go out for that. Did you said Eric played football, right? Yeah, no, Eric played. Eric played all the sports. Um, and you know, when again, like you just mentioned, um, you know, you he had to gain the respects of a lot of people. And when when I was again fortunate enough to be by his side when we first started, when he first started playing football, and you know, the critics that he got, and and I thought I would, I thought, and it's funny because it was football, basketball. No, football, baseball, then basketball. That's how the rotation was when we um, – what was it, football, basketball, baseball? I, I forget what it was. And then wrestling was towards the end of the, the, the school year. And I saw the guys making fun of him on football till he gained that respect. And then here we are, basketball, and here's Eric coming on the basketball court. And the same thing, the same – you know, different group of guys. Now it's the basketball players like, oh, what are you going to play? And, you know, they're like, oh, he's our water boy. He's our towel boy. Right. Um, you know, joke. they gave him all that. But then again, Eric was so like fun to let, fundamentally minded in everything that he did that he didn't care what they said. All he wanted to do was yeah. prove them wrong. And he did. Right. You know, he ended up being our point guard when we played um, because, you know, he's small and he's quick and he can handle the ball. Um, he he did the same thing when we played baseball. You know, the, you got these group of guys who are like, oh, great. What's he going to be? And then, you know, they call him the bat boy. They call him all this stuff. But he ended up playing catcher. So when you mentioned the story about being catcher, he ended up playing yeah. catcher. Um, and that's funny with him is because the batters, he would never, he would squat every now and then. But he was small enough to where he can just bend his knees a little bit. Stand and he, up. Yeah. And he was right where the pitcher wanted him to be. Yeah. And he told, you know, the, the, the umpire was like, aren't you going to squat? And he's like, is there a rule that the that the catcher has to squat? The catcher just has to catch the ball. Then the umpires were like, I guess there is no rule. So right. the batters were, you know, the batters were like in the back of their heads. They see this, they feel this guy standing up and they're like getting, you know, they're, they're so focused on him that they're forgetting that the pitcher is throwing the pitch. I know. So, and yeah. so then there's, that's a great weapon to have. Yeah. Not only that, just in the fundamentals and physics of that, when you're not squatting as a catcher, you're able to turn to third or turn yeah. to second or first faster. Yeah. And so if you've got a little bit of an arm on you and you can get that turn to happen, that's a lot less time to get out of the crouch. Yeah. And well, so, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. you used everything, you know, Eric sounds like, well, and obviously you have to be, you have to be a very um, uh, calculated person if you're not the, you know, quote unquote average or, or norm as a, as an athlete. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you use every little uh, facet that you yeah. have to the best of your ability. So if he's not down in the crouch, that's actually a benefit in a way, you know, where an average size player, it's not going to work because they're how far off of, you know, what the strike zone is. Yeah. It's, it's going to be awkward. Yeah. It's, and it's not even, you know, it's, it fundamentally isn't in their best interest, but yeah, that's, I totally can empathize with that. It's 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 hilarious that not hilarious like at a, as a punchline, but it's to be able to relate to that, yeah. you know. And you you have such an awesome resource. I mean, yeah. in friend and 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 those experiences. That's the other thing. And and not to sound like you know the second coming of of anyone, but I I think that when people get to whether it be a little person or anybody that's got some type of physical challenge when others get to 
experience that indirectly and and be around there's such a great appreciation but also a great maturation for that individual to be you know like you said when we would play other teams there's the laughter and the jibs and the little jokes and the points and 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 the snickers and then and at first it would get to you you know it would get to me but then i realized wait a minute i'm going to use this to my benefit to my you know, gain and, and get in their heads. And then they were like, wait a minute, he can, yeah, he can hold his own. We better watch out. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it, that's another tool to use because they're, you know, that cockiness that came from what's this little fellow going to do. I'm sure he run, you know, he just holds on to the water ball, you know, or the, he's the water boy, like you said, or he, yeah. he's in charge of picking up the bats. Yeah. And, and then when you got showed them, yeah. And they're like, uh Oh, Eric, so, Eric yeah. has a good game-winning story for you. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you the story is that we're playing basketball. We're playing junior varsity. We're not on the varsity team just yet, but um, um, we're playing junior varsity. It was the game right before the playoffs, and we were either going to be in the playoffs or we were just going to not play. You know, play the rest of the season. There was about five or six seconds left. We were down by one point, so we just needed a basket. We didn't need a three. We just needed a basket, and we knew they were going to come out and play tight. So the coach is like, hey, guys, what do we want to draw up? And then I said, put Eric in. And the coach, you know, everybody's looking at me like, freaking crazy? I'm like, the whole game, whenever he has the ball and he's about to shoot, everybody gets away from him and they stand waiting for the rebound or they turn their back and they're waiting for the rebound because they know he's not going to shoot. He's never shot. He's just, he was a passer. But Eric can shoot. He can hit the basket whenever he needed to. Then Eric looks at me and he's like, what are you doing to me? And I looked at him. I'm like, this is your moment. This is what you've done. This is what we practice. Shoot the ball. I said, we have five seconds left. They're going to play us like glue. They're going to hit us. The coach's mind was, let's play an inside game. Let's try to get a foul. Let's try to win it on the free throw line. And I said, that can work. But this right here... I guarantee as soon as he touches the ball, they're going to back away from him. And he's going to have either a 10-footer or a 15-footer to make. It's one of the two. So the coach, after a while, during this timeout, everyone's like, let's give it to Eric. So here we are. Or I wasn't on the court at that time. Here they are coming out on the court. And then the opposing team is looking at, why are they putting this guy in? You know, like this game is this game so they pretty much already said all right well we're gonna win we're going to the playoffs our center inbounded the ball gave it to our guard guard gave it to eric eric is standing at the free throw line and right right when we said that everybody turns away from eric walks away from eric they're looking up at the the hoop because they're wondering what he's gonna do and he shoots the ball and then the buzzer rings and the ball goes in and it's like wow you know, Eric was just like, oh, my God. And then we, you know, we, we, we did the wrong thing. We tried to carry him. We tried to put him on our shoulders. But it's like, uh, he's a little heavy. So. Yeah, he's solid. Yeah. Very solid. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that if I can add to that, that's an awesome story. And I'm so awesome. This is so awesome that we can talk about these things because you have that connection. Yeah. You have yeah. such relatability. But in that, what you just said. I would get the ball and they would back off a little bit, almost as if to say, there's no way. Yeah, exactly. There's no way. We don't even have to worry about this little dude. And then the idea was, okay, 
So you're playing five on five basketball, obviously. We're going to go five to the hoop. We've got five defenders now that if even if he tries to throw this up there and it ain't going to make it, it ain't going to happen, we're going to rebound. Yeah, we've got yeah. our rebounders now. We've got five, and you know we can go in tight on the in the paint. We can be right there. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're even if they're playing, you know, man to man, they can pull one back. They can go. You know, they do a zone, two three zone, whatever they're doing. Yeah, that attitude was well. This little dude here gives us a better benefit at the glass. Yeah, and so for you that that game plan of give it to Eric. They're not going to touch him. Yeah, he's going to this because he's going to lock in. Yeah. I used to do that a lot myself. I'm thinking about not so much in the games, but when we were playing in like PE or playing in like, you know, just the scrimmages, you know, for fun, you know, yeah. during the high school years, I remember the coach saying, and it was a great compliment, but I remember him saying, whenever Aaron's got the ball, he's 10, 12 feet, he's going to lock and he's going to make it every yeah. time he'll lock into that position. He's got the same form down. He's he 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 hits it and he's gonna be in. If you give him the ball and no one's there, I mean, granted, if you go up in his face, he's gonna have to maneuver around you, or he's gonna have to get rid of the ball. But if he's got a few feet on you, he's gonna take the shot and he's gonna make it. Yeah, yeah. You know, the ball went in a lot and it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. I, I mean, we used we used Eric as our secret weapon in, in a lot of the sports that we did. And, you know, of yeah. course you see this little guy coming on the field and, you know, the crowd is like, okay, what are they going to use him for? What's he going to be? We had this one, it was a football game. It was, it was just, you know, it was a football game. It was a kickoff return. And I was the guy who was supposed to return the ball, but I said, Hey, let's do this game plan. As soon as we get the ball, we had the first um, six front lines. They were guarding to make sure that nothing happened. But me, Eric, and then three other guys got in this small little huddle. One, you know, and we have these guys coming towards us, right? And then they know I'm the one running the ball. So as soon as they get 10 yards away from us, we break. Eric is standing there with his back turned. And I said, I'm going to run to the right. You know, know, Joe, you're going to run to the left. You know, Steve, you're going to run up the middle. And then Eric's just standing there with his back turned. So sure enough, these guys are following us. And they're not looking at Eric because he's like, okay, this little guy has his back turned. So as soon as they're following us, will you hear like Chris from the other side go, going, go, 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 go. Eric turns around. He has a little ball in his hand and he's running up the field. And then half the team is like, where the hell is he? You know, who has the ball? And here's Eric. He's running like, you know, he ends up getting gaining like 40 yards. It's and the you ultimate can, decoy. You can hear the fans like, whoa, where'd that trickery come from? You know? Exactly. And yeah, it, it was. It was. It was one of those things. Of course, the coach is mad at me. Coach is like, hey, what the hell was that? And that wasn't the game plan. I'm like, hey, we got 40 yards out of we it. We got 40 yards. He goes, it worked. And of course, you're giving Eric that confidence that like, wow. Right. You're you know? playing. I mean, play play what you consider a weakness. Play it to your yeah. strength. Oh, we did. We did. I mean. The fun part about playing with Eric, with a guy in that stature that he is, was he was serious about his sport. He didn't want to use his height as a disadvantage. But at the same time, when we had a a plan that we wanted to use his height, he was game. He was like, I'm down. Let's do it. You know, let's do it. You know, he didn't do the whole, what is it? Because I'm a small guy. This is the reason why we're doing it. No, he would, he would come up with plays that he thought would work you know, in situations where we yeah. have to do something like this. And and half the time it worked because, you know, he said, hey, I'm a distraction on the field. Use that. Use that against them. 
put me there. And then there's times where he's lined him up as a wide receiver. And, you know, the guy would not even cover him. They would cover the bigger, taller guys. He would, right. run, a, he would run a small route and he would get wide open because no one's watching him. And then we just dump yes. the ball to him. And here's, you know, five or 10 yards, you know, so that's the whole thing. I was just about to say that, you know, I didn't play, I didn't play like in a competitive, we just played intramural football, you know, like flag or whatever, but I was always like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Put him out on the side, put him wide out and get, you want three, we need three or four yards. Yeah. No one's going, no one thinks he's, he's there. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and just go quick wide, right. Go four or five yards done. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, was exactly I sprinting weird. forty yards, fifty yards, sixty yards? No. Yep. But was I, you know, here and there? Oh, we need. Yep. And no one thought about it. Yeah, yeah. And he was good. He was a good. He was a good. He was a good defense. He played linebacker with me, and I would just tell him, hit the legs, and as soon as yes. you hit the legs, I'll be up there and I'll hit him on top. You know. So yeah. And it it worked out. And you know, there's times wrap where, around the legs, no yeah. matter how big they are. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, if they're you know three fifty, that's different. Yeah. That's, but, yeah, yeah. I can't even do that. Right. If you're wrapping around the legs, they're going to tumble. Yeah. And that's what he did. He would, he would come there. We, we were, we were known as um, the knockout crew. So it was me, um, Eric, and this other guy named Billy. And we played the three linebacker position. Eric played um, one of the outside linebackers. As soon as he would see somebody coming, he would go for that guy, hit the legs. Me and Billy would come and finish him off. And, you know, it was one of those things where it always worked. So they always try to run away from us. Or they would always try to throw over us because they knew they couldn't run run towards us. So it was a, it was a, it was a good it was a good deal. And and I and again I loved playing with Eric. And when I graduated yeah. and he wasn't there, and I was like, oh man, you know, kind of wish you were here, you know. But then he yeah. his little brother was on, and he was like, I have to show this little guy, you know, the tricks and the trades. Yeah, right. But the good thing ropes. about him is Derek was his brother's name. Derek had the respect of everybody because of Eric. Eric, yeah. But Derek wasn't well, as that, athletic you know, as you know, not Eric. to be, you know, not to be corny or anything, but it's that David and Goliath approach. Yeah. yeah. What you, what do you have? What are your strengths? Yeah. And use them and you can compete. You can, yeah. you know, yeah. Hold your own. But that's see, That made me, that made me realize, you know, when I first met Eric and he wanted to play football, my mentality was like, yeah, right. You know? Yeah. Right. What can, what can you do? But, he turned that around in one in like in a day when he showed me what he can do, made right. me realize. And you know, I'm not the tallest guy in the world. You know, I'm not. You know, I'm I'm probably the the shortest next to Eric when he came on the football field. So mm-hmm. I had to prove myself as well. And you know, yeah. I have to show these guys. You know, and and me and him. You know, they call us the twins because it's like it's Eric and Eric, and we were doing what we had to do to prove to the the school that. We're not just these small guys, but we can actually play the sports that we want to play. And right. you know, and I told Eric, I don't think I would have been able to have done this with you. And then he was like, no, there's no way I would have done this without you. You know, he told me. Hey. And I'm like, hey, you know, this is what we're here for. So I was humbled. I, and and it, it makes me, you know, like when I met you the first time, you know, I didn't look at you as a small guy, a little guy. I looked at you as an actor. And I said, this guy's an actor. This guy you know, he's doing what he has to do. And it was all because I already knew someone, you know, who was small and I already knew like the, what you guys can achieve. And, you know, I don't like people when they say like, Oh, he's a small guy. What's he going to do? You know? Well, I thank you for that. And I, 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 
I, I won't, I know we're coming to a close here. I don't want to take much more, but I, I want to, maybe we can close on this. Uh, that's an awesome compliment. Yeah. That's an awesome perspective. And the fact that, you know, no matter who you are, I, 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 from this podcast, I hope that people take things universally. You know, it's not just about a little person. It's about just a uh, unique perspective. Yeah. But I, some of my greatest moments or some of my moments that I'm very proud of where you received uh, accolades or compliments or respect for what I do as an actor. I'll never, and I don't know if I've said this already. And if I have, I apologize. And I don't mean to reiterate it, but it's obviously left an impression. There was a, we did a production in grad school. And I remember one of the audience members saying, you, you, you're just so, in that moment and, and as that character, I I didn't even consider. I mean, your stature wasn't anything to it. You know, it wasn't an inhibitor, it wasn't a distraction, it wasn't it, it just you were you're good at what you do. Yeah. You know, and that's I think for anyone, no matter whether it be gender, whether it be race, whether it be, you know, uh disability. When, when whatever it is that the average individual would consider you, quote unquote, abnormal or subpar or whatever other adjective you want to use, whenever you are beyond that and you, you're improving yourself as a human being who's got intellect and has, you know, perseverance and determination when that is what stands out first, yeah, then it's awesome. Yeah, you know, yeah it is. I'm not ashamed of who I am as a little person. I'm not, I'm not, don't get me wrong. There'd be days where I'd like, hey, I'd like to try this outside of this shape and see how different it would be. But I've said to people on more than one occasion, and I still stand behind this. I, if I had the, the choice to change, would I? I? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think I would. I, I, I've learned a lot about life and i've learned a lot and something's not so easy yeah something absolutely devastating but i've learned a lot about you know determination and perseverance and tenacity and and so when it comes to like sports that was a great lesson you know like you said people make judgments and then they have to step back and go oh whoops exactly how it is yeah yeah he or she is handing it to me because i thought he couldn't keep up or, yeah. you know, she couldn't do this. Or, and so it's a, it's a great experience and lesson learned. A lot of the things that Eric got when we were, when we were playing sports and I love this comment is I didn't think he can do that. I didn't think he can do that. I mean, from football to baseball, to golf, to everything, he's like, I didn't think he can do that. And then we would always say, well, now you do. Yeah. Now you do. Yeah, I remember I got a little bit of that, especially golf, but also in like basketball, I remember, because like I said, I didn't play in high school, but I would, you know, just scrimmage and and what have you. And I remember in college, we were doing intramurals or whatever. And I remember this one kid going, yeah, there's no way you can hit there. And I'm like, okay, let's try it. And I hit, I mean, I think I took five shots and I think I hit two or three out of the five. And he's like, he just kind of froze. And it, it was almost like it was make believe, like it wasn't really happening, like he was imagining it. Yeah. Because he's like, did he just shoot from there? Yeah. And then exactly. I did it again. And he's like, and then he threw the ball back like a third time. He's like, do that again. And I'm like, kept hitting. 
hitting him. And he, and then he's like, okay. And, 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 and the respect in that moment, just of, uh, Hey, yeah, you, yeah. you got it. So, yeah. This yeah. has been fun. It was fun talking about it. it. Before, before we get off, I want to throw a quick shout out. And um, I, I told her, I'll Go. mention her. Her name is Peggy. Uh, met her at my clinic. She's a little person who yeah. out of nowhere, when I was taking her intake in the room and she, she okayed me to say all this when I was taking her intake in the room, she said, I want to thank you, Eric. And I'm like, for taking your information. She goes, no, <laughs> I listened to your podcast with Aaron and I just want to thank you for giving us an, a voice of the things that we want to express. And she was using the word us, you know, little people. And she was yeah. like, for giving us a voice of the things that we want to say, but we can't say because we don't want to be, you know, any more little than we are. So thank you for that. Thank you for what you awesome, and Aaron are doing. Peggy, that's so great. I told Peggy, Peggy, I'll give you a shout out for, for listening. She watches us on YouTube and she listens to us on the, um, the daily podcast or the, um, the diary of the little man's podcast as well. Um, so Peggy, thank you for listening. Thank you, Peggy. Um, throw us a comment on YouTube. So that way, yes, Eric can please see huge are. props. Yeah. So, and, and, and I would love to, I, maybe, maybe could we maybe get Peggy involved with one of the podcasts down the road? Yeah. I don't think that Peggy would be crazy. <laughs> I don't think Pe Peggy seems like a nice little shy, you know, person who was, okay. yeah, yeah. I don't think well, we can get that. a Q and a going. We can get, you yeah. know, have her throw a question yeah. or throw a comment and, and I appreciate it greatly. That's yeah. awesome. Oh no, yeah. It, yeah it, felt, this it, is, it felt that at that moment, Aaron, I'm not going to lie to you. At that moment when she said that I felt the, the whole podcast, the whole story that we did, I was like, wow, it's actually reaching to people yeah. in, you know, the little stature that we're, we're in that moment. Yeah. Uh, makes it all worth it yes you know i mean yes. not oh sorry i got an unstable connection for a second there sorry and not to i don't know if you heard what i said in that moment her comment or her her observation yeah makes all of this worth it so yeah. thank you Peggy. that's that alone i mean it's it's just being able to 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 voice what i feel needs to be heard and i'm not the only person i'm yeah. not I, I'm, I don't want to be the chosen spokesperson. I'm just saying, here's my experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was good. It was fun. And she did say that, you know, it made me feel like I wasn't alone in the world. And so, and I said, you know, that's, that's a good feeling. And I thank you for the support and I thank you for listening, but yes. Cheers. Cheers to Peggy. Cheers to Peggy. This has been fun. I loved what we talked about. Awesome. Loved what we did. Loved how we just shared the stories. Works. Um, can't wait for next week. Um, yeah, I know you're going to go off and finish the was it the final round of the Masters? Yeah, there it's well the live coverage starts here at like um, in an hour and a half ish, yeah. and I've been watching like the previous days and and it's I I I, I love golf and yeah. so it's it, it's it's a great it to me it's very entertaining. Some people are like how can you watch that? It's so boring, and I'm like yeah, but I'm thinking about the sport. Yeah. I've played it since I was eight. You know, I, I can understand it very well. I understand where they are, you know, in, in each hole and what they're doing or yeah. what they're trying to do. And also with everything that's involved, like I said, it's cold. You know, and that's the other thing people don't understand. Grass acts differently on putting greens when yep. it's cold or it's warm. And it's when it's cold, it's slow. Yeah. When it's wet, it's slow. When it's hot, it's it's razor fast. If it's if it's maintained well, and these courses are maintained to the best of of any greenskeeper's abilities, so you're you're really getting 
uh, um, amazing elements and all of that's part of it. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's like life, man. And not to get too philosophical, but it is, it is. Yeah, it is. There are so many factors that, that contribute to each day. Yeah. Everything yeah. that we do. So yeah, I'm going to head back to the masters in a minute. It's been awesome. It talking was fun. Today. It was great. Yeah, yeah. We hit the sports. We did. We got it. Thank you. All right, guys, stay tuned for next week. We'll talk. Uh, we'll um, let you guys know what we're going to talk about. Yeah, next week. we'll open up yeah. in the middle of the week. But until then, thank you guys for listening. Again, you can join us on YouTube, the Diary of the Little Man's podcast on YouTube. And we are available on all podcast platforms, Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple. So go ahead and listen to the podcast there. But until next week, thank you for listening. This is the Diary of the Little Man's podcast. See ya. You've been listening to the Diary of the Little Man's podcast.